When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Time on. Time on with Sam Edmund. Yes, good evening, everybody. We're now into time on on Monday, May 31. Oh, boy, winter is coming. The last day of autumn today, but apparently the coldest May morning in Melbourne for 70 years. Hope you were able to stay toasty indoors, sadly, this morning. I'm Sam Edmund. Hope you had a great day. If you're just getting the grip with things after a bit of homeschooling or a bit of solid work from home, at least in Victoria, we'll bring you up to speed. And we're about to anyway on the latest developments in the AFL and the wider world of sport. This, of course, every Monday, 6 o'clock, your one-stop shop for the next hour. And if you haven't had a chance to say, uh, had your say today, something from the weekend to stay with you, I left an impression with you. The lines are open all show Usual procedure here. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 or 0433981116. On Twitter, we can be found at Time On SEN. So the temper text up and running. We're here with big thanks to Essendon Renault Traffic Sales Event, which is now on. But as we do each and every Monday, let's start with this, the bulletin board. What about the NBA? Former Celtics star Kyrie Irving had a bottle thrown at him on his return to TD Garden in Boston after his Brooklyn Nets beat the Celtics to take a 3-1 lead in their first round playoff series. Now, fellow Brooklyn match winner Kevin Durant dropped 42 points on Boston before speaking about the bottle that just missed his teammate and saw the offending fan arrested. These these men are human, you know. We're not animals. We're not in a circus. Um, you coming to the game is not all about you as a fan. So have some respect for the game. Have some respect for the human beings. And have some respect for yourself. Your mother wouldn't be uh, proud of you throwing water bottles at, at basketball players or spitting on players or tossing popcorn. So throw the f*** up uh, and, and enjoy the game. You know, it's, bigger than, it's bigger than you. Kevin Durant there. Townsville will host State of Origin Game 1 on June 9. The ongoing COVID-19 outbreak in Victoria forcing a change of venue from the MCG. Gee, do you reckon New South Wales are happy about this? Initially, the NRL had been looking at another neutral venue like Perth, Adelaide or Canberra. But this afternoon, the league announced that North Queensland Stadium would host the opening game of the series. And the MCG will now host two Origins over the course of the next five years. The French Open is underway at Roland Garros. Ayla Tomlanovic has provided the perfect start for the Aussie contingent last night, battling the victory over Ukraine's Katerina Kozlova in their first round match. Tomlanovic, well, she's the country's number two women's player. She was the lone Aussie in action on the opening day. She won 6-2, 6-4. Ash Barty and the Demon, Alex Demonor, are in action 
tomorrow. All right, you know what we do. Let's grab a jumper, shall we? We're in this together for the next hour. one 736 736 on any issue like in sport, footy or otherwise. 0433 98 11 16 is the temper text number. And on Twitter, as I said, we can be found at uh, handle there at time on SEN. What's Sturge over the weekend in sport? What angered you? What excited you? What did you love? On the show this evening, we'll have the coach's corner, the best of the post-match press conferences from across the entire weekend. And we'll present the Magoo's report. Well, actually, a condensed Magoo's report, it must be said, uh, given the VFL was cancelled, of course, but we'll bring you up to speed on who's putting their hands up in the waffle, the sandful, and there were some practice matches up and down the uh, eastern seaboard as well that we'll cast our eye over. We'll also close out the show with our regular segment, What Grinds Your Gears? You know what really grinds my gears? It's your chance to get something off your chest, of course, that you stewed on all Monday. Work and life has gotten the way. We'll, we'll play counsellor to whatever's grinding your gears from the weekend a little later in the show. At the risk of repeating myself, I've got one I'm going to go back to. Such was the state that it angered me over the weekend. I'll tell you what, I can't wait to get to that a little bit later on. But let's start with this, shall we? The floating fixture as it is uh, in light of COVID-19. Sadly and unfortunately, no AFL confirmation today on what the round 12 uh, fixture looks like today. The league will now lock it in tomorrow. There's six games coming up this weekend, of course, but a number of them with some question marks. And Kilda and Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane are probably the two matches that are mostly uh, requiring some navigation at this point. We know that Carlton and West Coast, that game was at the MCG, now locked in for the SCG on Sunday and some conjecture or doubt over whether Collingwood can get over to the Adelaide Oval to take on the Crows. We await confirmation of that. But the Saints and the Swans, it's on Saturday afternoon. The Saints coach Brett Ratton did raise the idea, didn't he, of a fixture switch, given the two sides play again in round 21 at the SCG. So that could easily be swapped on the face of it. But Cairns is a live option, given the Saints are due to play Adelaide there at Kazali Stadium the following weekend. And Melbourne and Brisbane... What a game this promises to be. Alice Springs all but off now. Certainly the clubs think there's no chance of getting to the NT. The AFL saying, well, perhaps the door might just be ajar there. But really, they've struggled to get into the Northern Territory with that exemption, the AFL. So this game, which was set for Traeger Park in the centre of the country, Alice Springs now most likely to be played in Sydney on Friday night. But the clubs are still not sure whether it will be at the SCG or Giants Stadium. So those clubs will wait confirmation of that tomorrow. The Demons are training at Casey Fields tomorrow morning, actually, at around uh, 9.45. So they're not flying out to Sydney anytime soon. And the Blues and the Eagles have been told their game scheduled for the MCG, as I say, will definitely take place at the SCG mid-afternoon, uh, 3.20. That one is locked away. And then we've got Essendon and Richmond, of course, as we said on uh, SEN last week. That's dream time at the O now, not dream time at the G. Interested to see what sort of crowd they might get at Essendon and Richmond. Saw the tickets on sale Relatively cheap, too, I would have thought. So the AFL going all out to try and pack out Doctor Stadium for uh, what is one of the marquee games of the home and away season. Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs at Optus Stadium. The Dogs will leave on Saturday for Perth. They're up in Sydney at the moment. And they are confident the Western Bulldogs are being able to return to Melbourne on Monday after that game uh, at Optus Stadium, given they do have the bye next weekend. But, gee whiz, after the news today, even if lockdown does end later this week, it is hard to see games uh, being played in uh, Melbourne next weekend. It's probably going to be weeks before games come back here, isn't it? Certainly with a crowd. So round 13 and 14 might be played interstate as well, you might think. Um, I want to talk about Tasmania as well tonight. The former Geelong president, Colin Carter, has raised 
some concerns over the size of the market in Tasmania and his recent tour of the state. You know, obviously Carter sat on the AFL commission. He's been appointed to review the business case for a 19th licence in Tasmania. He did meet with a range of key stakeholders down there, a three-day trip earlier this month. He is expected to complete his review by mid-July, Colin Carter, but that document will be considered by the league's 18 presidents later this year, possibly at the end of the year. Now, AFL sources have told me that Carter raised concerns over whether a Tasmanian team could be successful given its smaller size. Now, Geelong, where Carter was president, have been one of the most successful clubs of the modern era, haven't they? Despite having what turns out to be half the population of Tasmania. Now, well-placed insiders in the state also note that Carter was encouraged by feedback from AFL Tasmania that despite some serious concerns in some quarters, that in fact participation rates could soon rebound. So obviously a big part of the Tasmanian task force report into a 19th team was that it would reverse drastically declining participation rates across the state that threatened to make footy a second-choice pursuit for uh, young sportsmen and women down there. It's understood further research now being conducted over the decline of footy participation in Tasmania. But the AFL alone won't make the final call on whether Tassie gets the green light to plan for its own team. The 18 club presidents do retain the power when it comes to adding a team, removing a team, or merging a team. So Tassie would need a specific majority there to potentially gain entry or at least get a pathway or an understanding of when they might be able to bring a team in. Um, I think it's something like 14 of the 18 presidents are needed to say yes to keep the flame flickering here. So Peter Gutwin, the president, uh, president, the, the uh, Premier, of course, said he won't consider any potential new deals for Hawthorne or North Melbourne either to keep playing in Tasmania until he learns more about a Tasmanian team or at least whether they can be on track to uh, gain entry to the national competition by 2025 or 2026. I want to talk about the rising star at a moment. Brendan's uh, on the road. He's just rung in. Sorry to keep you waiting there, Brendan. You want to talk about uh, Angus Brayshaw? Yeah, have I got you? Might have lost Brent. Oh, you there? Far away. No, uh, people forget Angus Brayshaw was a pick three after Petrarca, but he's not the Petrarca type. I look at it, he had an amazing game on Friday. He only had 13 possessions and three tackles, but his body worked on a bigger body, Quantum Pally, at crucial stages during that game for a bloke who's had... You know, head, head knocks and concussions throughout his career. The confidence he's playing his footy with at the moment is second to none. And I think it's, again, showing just how deep we are as a side at Melbourne at the moment. And I just want to just send this love to, uh, to Augustus and this way he's going about his footy. He's not the, you know, the star that many thought he would be, but he's definitely playing his role on that halfback flank for us when the uh, opportunity presents itself for him to stand up. So... Beautifully said, Brendan. I couldn't agree with you more watching that game. I thought he had some vital plays, particularly defensively, and uh, his tackling was supreme. So, yeah, he's been one of those ones, hasn't he, that's sort of been squeezed out in recent times of that uh, elite midfield the Demons have got there, and there's been all sorts of trade speculation about uh, Gussie Brayshaw maybe uh, heading back to Perth or uh, moving elsewhere. He's contracted at your club until the end of 2022. And, um, yeah, I think he's uh, a vital part of the balance that you've got in there now, isn't it? That uh, you've got the guys that uh, are so good offensively, but the best part about Melbourne this year for mine, Brendan, is what the they've done without the ball. And to watch Melbourne, the behind-the-goals vision, or to go to a game and watch them set up behind the football, it's an absolute work of art what they're doing. They are so well-structured. And that's what uh, allows May and Lever and all those guys to do what they do so well. So 
they've been eye-catching for a lot of immeasurable reasons, I would have thought, uh, Brendan, with your Melbourne footy club. So, so much to like there. I can't wait to watch them go up against uh, the Brisbane Lions uh, this weekend, regardless of where it's going to be played. I think it'll be an absolute ripper. Hey, uh, I want to talk about the rising star as well. We're waiting confirmation of that. That's due to come in uh, in the next, what do you think, 15 minutes or so, the rising star. I think... I think fans of Nick Cox and of the Eston Football Club might be disappointed tonight. I don't want to say too much more uh, for fear of uh, uh, tripping up the alarm down at uh, AFL HQ, but uh, I think Nick Cox might miss out again here. I think he's second on the line of uh, betting as well for the award, and at the moment he's ineligible. So uh, he's the second favourite, can't win the award at the moment, hasn't been nominated, and as I say, we'll wait official confirmation of this, but I don't think his name's going to be read out tonight either. So... The Bombers, for all their youthful vigour and excitement and what they're doing with their youngsters there, which has been so admirable, they don't have a single nomination yet. Harrison Jones, no nomination. Archie Perkins, no nomination. And we know how many fans Nick Cox has got. And uh, he hasn't got a nomination yet either. So we'll wait and see what happens there. But I know you guys would be keen to talk about the rising star. So we'll get to that when it is officially announced by the AFL and your thoughts on it. Taking nothing away from the 10 nominees so far and whoever it is that's going to be read out tonight. They've all been magnificent. I think uh, Sydney opened up with the first three. Melbourne have had a couple as well. And there's been a number of double nominations. Second nominations, obviously, following on from last year as well. And the mid-season draft is on tomorrow. I tell you what, the clubs are playing games here all over the place for what is just essentially probably a 15-pick draft, really, in the end. North Melbourne pick one, Hawthorne two, then Collingwood, Adelaide, Gold Coast, Carlton, St Kilda, GWS at eight, Fremantle at nine if they open up a spot, and then Essendon. The official amount of picks, I think, will be detailed and finalised tomorrow. Very interesting news today that Gold Coast is working through some last-minute plans on the AFL website. This was uh, after their ruck target, Michael Knoll, failed a recent medical screening, or when we say failed, um, he had some damage showed up that related to a PCL injury he sustained while he was listed at uh, Sydney, of course, from 2019 to 2020. So when we say failed, at least there was something there that the Gold Coast didn't like. So they've aborted any plans in bringing him in. The Suns, for their part, they've been linked to the former cat, power big man Wiley Buzzer. So wait and see how, how much interest they retain in Wiley Buzzer. Fraser Thurlow is another name that's come up in relation to the Suns as well. North's going to take Jacob Edwards. The Blues have squirreled away as much as you can for a guy this size. 210-centimetre former volleyballer Alex Murkov. They also like Xavier Maher as well. No relation. And I've heard tonight that the Pies might have cooled on Tyson Stengel. So the former Crow, and he met with the Pies at least once, Thought he was headed there for all money, but I'm just hearing tonight the Pies might be off Tyson Stengel there with their pick. The Hawks, very interesting at pick two. They were widely expected to use two selections, but Alistair Clarkson recently suggesting they will only use the one. Ned Moyle is the ruckman that has long held an interest for them as well. And then you've got Jai Newcomb, the one that has nominated the unique terms. I think it's a three-year deal. And it, what do you call it? Not front-ended, not back-ended, almost middle-weighted, if you like. My understanding is the second year of this three-year deal that sees him earned uh, far more than what um, many of his contemporaries taken in the mid-season draft will be put on. So that's uh, Hawthorne's attempt to get uh, Jai Newcomb through the door. Of course, he's been playing under Sam Mitchell at the Box Hill Hawks. They share the same manager, Peter Lenton. So that goes some way to explaining uh, how highly Hawthorne value Jai Newcomb. Keen to get him in. He's been doing some good things at the Box Hill Hawks. 
Jason, you're in Werribee. I think we've got just enough time before we get to the break. You want to talk about the Swannies, Jace? Yeah. I honestly think the Swannies are a good chance of the flag. I think their, their ability to turn momentum in games is uncanny. They've done it a lot lately, and I think it's a very hard thing to do. And I just think that uh, everyone seems to be playing well. Um, we've had injuries, and I think uh, our time to shine is going to come very soon, sooner than what most people think. Well, there's a lot to like there, Jason. I just read through some of your kids that have won the Rising Star nominations, and it's offensively that uh, the Swans have been so attractive, hasn't it? They take the game on, and they've got a real grit about them. When the game wasn't going their way against Carlton yesterday, and that was for a fair portion, I would have thought, of the first half, certainly the bulk of the second quarter, they've just got that grit, that resilience to, to hang tight, to absorb blows, everything Carlton couldn't do in the last quarter, stay in contention and then uh, sweep home. But... Um, They've been great. Obviously, started the season on fire. And for mine, Jason, you just got to keep Isaac Heaney fit. He's the out-and-out legitimate star, and he was a match-up problem for the entire game against the Blues yesterday. Does it on the ground, does it in the air. Super player. We've got enough time before we get to the break. We do. Aaron's in WA. Azza, welcome to Time On. Afternoon, Sammy. How are we doing? Hey, going well. That's the way, mate. Mate, I just wanted to have a chat to you about the Carlton coaching staff. I'm just wondering whether anyone checked the uh, weather report on the weekend, mate, because it's uh, drizzling down. We've got three people six foot five and over in the back line. I mean, Levi Casbold looked completely lost, mm. and we went in with the Jewel Ruckman. I just thought it was a very poor decision by David Teague and the coaching staff. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, not a bad call by you, Aaron. Although I was speaking to the Swans today, they said it wasn't actually as bad as what it looked on TV. But I'm with you. The ball looked really slippery up there for a time, but they were saying it wasn't too bad. Just the odd shower here and there. I mean, Levi Casbolt, um, look, he's been playing hurts, my understanding. He's been uh, injured, but the Blues have been picking him, haven't they? I just look at what they're doing with that half-back line, Aaron. And now that they've got Zach Williams back there, Adam Saad back there. Uh, Sam Petrovsky-Seaton can't get a game, and they're playing Sam Doherty on a wing. So I think Sam Petrovsky-Seaton's been sent back to the VFL when they do start playing again in the VFL to, I don't know, what will they call it in the industry, be reprogrammed as a, as a wing forward. He's had a contract to Sam Petrovsky-Seaton. I mean, that's where I would be playing him, a wing forward, a good user of the ball, get him out of that back half, get some run through the middle of the ground and provide some outside class that uh, we just ran out of, the Blues just ran out of legs on Sunday, didn't they? They just ground to a halt there in the last quarter. And uh, they've been a, that's been a trend in a lot of their games, just struggling to run them out. They look cooked in the last half hour of that game, Aaron. But appreciate your call. Thanks for joining us on Time On. The Temper text machine off and running. Temper a mattress like no other. I'll read uh, through some of your texts as well. We await the official confirmation of the rising star this week. The source is so much conjecture, hasn't it been? Tradies, don't miss the instant asset tax write-off as well. Essendon Renault traffic sales event is now on. We're off and running here too on Time On. Back with more, more of your calls and texts on the other side of this break here just took the soul of the joint. They went after Libba. So there's this, the great saying about cut the head off the snake, which is all about going after the captain. Well, you can also rip the soul out of the place or go after the heart. And they went after the heart. There shouldn't be any more games in empty stadiums. Wherever it is even vaguely possible, it's better to move games out of a COVID-affected state and play it in front of a small live audience than the soul-destroying sights of empty terraces at Marvel and the MCG. 
DG. Provided by Heppel & Co. You've never seen a guy, and I'm saying never, you've never seen a captain get to every member of the group every day. And, and, and I said, we, we interviewed him pre-season, and I said to him, I said, mate, you're doing a great job. I don't know what it does in terms of wins and losses, but as a captain, I'd love to play underneath you because I just see your investment, and you, he's just dying to have success. get accused on this show sometimes of talking too much Collingwood. Um, forget... If it's like the tree falls in the forest theory for Collingwood. Uh, no one was there at the MCG to see it on Saturday, so um, maybe we can make out it didn't happen. He turns, he has a look at the pack, so he's got some idea of where the ball, the trajectory of the ball, yep. and what he's going to have to confront. So the timing of his jump and how he was, when to twist his body. Now there's brilliance and X Factor and all this other stuff that's going on, just that Jack has that innate stuff. Mm-hmm. It's some really okay. extremely high football intellect happening at the same time as the brute bravery. Oh, well, let's call that the Monday mix, shall we? How the weekend was called and assessed and the wash-up right here on SEN. We had Gary uh, on the Ds taking out Libba. We had Jared Waitley on the empty stands. Kingy on Dyson Heppel. Dwayne on the pies and Bob on Jack Rewalt's incredible mark going back with the flight. Wasn't that amazing? Before we come back to the footy, though, Simon has texted in. And Simon, if you are listening still... You've got company here from Dean. What about the UEFA Champions League? I've been listening for three hours, not a word. Are you sports radio? Chelsea do Man City trying for their first ever win in the biggest game anywhere this week, but not a word on SEN, not from the hosts or news. Weird and unprofessional. Simon, I watched the game. I watched the game. Chelsea's second Champions League title, of course, 1-0. Kai Havertz scoring. Uh, It was tense. Second half was hard to watch if you're of the uh, Blues persuasion. But Chelsea won the Champions League. Kai Havertz, I mentioned, the goal scorer in the game. Simon, this is for you. Edison off his line. Havertz! Chelsea in front. Kai Havertz with his first ever goal in the Champions League has made the breakthrough. He has, and it was a crucial one. Picked a fair time, didn't he, the German, uh, who was uh, purchased at great expense by the Blues uh, to score his first goal in the Champions League. And to think, Chelsea sacked Frank Lampard, favourite son, uh, during the season, replaced him with Thomas Tuchel. Now, Thomas Tuchel's record against the more, his more elite colleagues in the managerial space, he played Prep Guardiola three times, Zinedine Zidane twice, Simeone twice, Klopp, Mourinho and Ancelotti all this season. His record in those games, nine wins, no defeats, two goals conceded and one UEFA Champions League trophy. That is an incredible impact from Thomas Tuchel, who's a tactical genius. And there you go, Simon. I watched the game and uh, Chelsea Champions League winners. Well done to you if you barrack for them. Rob's text in, I have crunched the numbers. For goals kicked after the 20-minute mark of quarters, Carlton has a percentage of 65% this year. Dean, Carlton must say goodbye to Casbolt. Must go after Josh Jenkins for their forward line to help Mackay. Jenkins is at the Cats wasting away. Might as well grab him. Dean, I think they've got a guy by the name of Charlie Kerno. I know we've said this a few times who's closing in on a return. I think they envisage Kerno, Mackay, McGovern, 
and then the smalls around them at the moment for that uh, that forward 50 mix. One Sam Petrovsky seaton at Essendon next year sounds very tasty, according to one texter. It'll be interesting to see how SPS second half of the season goes at the Blues. They might have a, at will, not might, have a massive bearing on whether he re-signs to stay at the club is uh, the male I've got. So what his role is, certainty over that role. He's not the homesick type. He's from uh, WA, not Perth. So he's not the homesick type. He's got no urging to go back to WA. So if he's to leave the Blues for whatever reason, it wouldn't necessarily be the go-home factor at play there. Uh, before we get to the rising star, Tommy's in South Australia. You want to talk about the Blues there, Tommy? Welcome to Time On. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just starting to get, not just me, just starting to get tired of this, what's going on with Carlton, you know, like, one thing I have to have to say, question, which I've been hearing, I know Andrew Russell was highly rated, they got him, but I reckon he picked out Hawthorne and Reed, what, he's been there two years, and we can't just get people on the park. Another thing, I'm current the season's over. Casbolt, no offence. See you later. Um, I'll be with uh, McGovern. I'll be shipping him off back to Western Australia. He won't, he won't get on the park. They have to make a few changes. And I hope, hopefully, the whole I reckon, the second half of the year, because we won't make the finals. You see Tom DeCoing, hopefully Charlie Kerno. And the highly rated Brody Kemp. That's the whole rest of the year, mate. Because I'm tired of this. No offence to Murphy. You probably they'll probably get him to pay three hundred. Well, yeah, you, you've been serviceable for years, but that's that's what I reckon, Sam. What do you, what do you reckon? Now, I appreciate the call, Tommy. In regards to the injuries, well, they're not on their own, are they? I mean, every club seemingly has had their turn getting whacked over the head by the injury stick, and the injuries as a whole have been a massive talking point all season. They have had a few stress injuries, though, at the Blues. I'll give you that. So that that is somewhat concerning, but they're not on their own and very hard to cast judgment from the outside looking in without knowing each individual case. And there'll be some turnover at the end of the year, I think, player personnel-wise and also in the coach's box as well as there probably should be. Appreciate the call, Tommy. Thanks for joining us. Off the text from CB. Didn't the AFL come out last week to say they were going to clamp down on umpire abuse? They did, CB. I've only heard crickets about Liam Ryan dropping the F-bomb. Nothing on giving the bird either. That rests with the footy operations department, CB. I did check with the AFL before coming on air. No decision made on Liam Ryan yet in regards to that middle finger salute. It's not an MRO issue. It'll be a typically a, a please explain sort of avenue there from the AFL. But they've had their hands full at the moment with fixturing and uh, COVID and where the games are going to be played. But... I don't think we've heard the last when it comes to the uh, Liam Ryan outburst. Not a hanging offence, of course, but as you say, they did put the umpiring on the agenda last week in their meeting with the uh, CEOs, uh, twice actually in that meeting with the CEOs that they were going to crack down on it. Confirmation has come in. Trent Rivers is the Rising Star nominee for round 11. So that is Melbourne's third Rising Star nominee. They joined Sydney at the top of the pile. So... The 10 nominees before tonight were Sydney's Errol Gordon, Braden Campbell, and then Chad Warner. That was the first three. Lockie Scholl joined that exclusive club, not so exclusive anymore, of having a second nomination. Mitch Georgiades did the same second nomination. Jacob Kaczynski followed in round six. Luke Jackson got the second nomination round seven. His teammate James Jordan saluted in round eight. 
Tom Green became the fourth player in the opening nine rounds to pick up a second Rising Star nomination. It was little Western Bulldog Cody Waitman in round 10. And now it's Melbourne's Trent Rivers. 19 touches in the demolition of the Western Bulldogs on Friday night. So as I said earlier, the Bombers have one of the favourites for the entire award. Nick Cox second on the line of betting behind Tom Green. And at the moment, he's completely and utterly ineligible. For the statistical people amongst you that want to know the numbers, he had nine touches and a goal, four marks in Essendon's big win over the Eagles. Uh, But numbers aren't everything. He's had an amazing season so far and yet hasn't been nominated. So taking nothing away from Trent Rivers, he's been excellent for the high-flying Demons. In fact, he's played every game for the team that's on top of the ladder and has only lost once. So he's been extremely impressive. Hey, John, just sit tight in Woolert. We'll come to you in a moment. We just need to take a break, but we'll get to your call. I know you want to talk about Nick Cox, so we'll do that with you on the other side of this right here on Time On. Time On with Sam Edmund. Simon, that's for you, Simon, if you're still listening. A bit more love for you and uh, Chelsea's Champions League win. Off the text, how did Rivers get the Rising Star nomination over Bianco? Yeah, Trent Bianco, good for the Pies. 19 touches, 11 of those kicks, uh, three marks, three tackles in uh, Collingwood's 10-point loss to the Cats. Didn't please everyone that game, though, I can uh, tell you. Um, John in Woolert has waited patiently. You want to talk about Nick Cox there, Johnny? Thanks for waiting. Sammy, how you going? Hey, I'm going well. Mate, I nearly just ran my car off the road when you told me that Trent Rivers won the Rising Star. How, yeah. how has Nick Cox been overlooked 11 weeks in a row? <laughs> I mean... He the has, bloke has genuine influence on games. Yeah, he does. He has had better games statistically. I wasn't just referring to, to this week in isolation. More as you suggested, John, that just over the course of the season, it's incredible to think that he hasn't jagged one somewhere along the line. Shocking. Whoever is voting on this needs the head checked, I reckon. Yeah, he had a cracker against North Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. 14 possessions, two goals. He's had a, an 18 disposal game, one goal, two in that one, 17 touches. But it goes beyond stats for mine when I watch Nick Cox, just because we're so easily seduced, I know. But what he can do with, with that physique is uh, is amazing, John. So I'm just more struck that he's second on the line of betting for the whole thing, and at the moment he's ineligible. Yeah, well, I think we're bloody excited down at Bomberland because he's got a big future ahead of him, along with a couple of others. And whether he wins it or not, he's going to be a gun either way. So, uh, Absolutely, John. Well said. He will be that. Uh, thanks for your call here on Time On. Matt in Parkville's text in as well. A very happy Essendon supporter is Matty. He said, in particular, I'd like to give a shout-out to the efforts and bravery of Jaden Laverda. He keeps getting beaten every week since he moved to the back line, but fronts up every week with 100% effort. Bravo. Good on you, Matty in Parkville. I'll tell you what, the Bombers over there at uh, Optus Stadium are a red-hot chance to roll Richmond for mine this weekend. Dreamtime at the O. They're already set up there in Perth. They've had a game at the venue. Tigers coming across the course from Sydney. They have to be a chance, don't they? The Bombers got a real head of steam up, and I know Richmond getting the personnel back and... Um, and just getting their mojo back. But, uh, geez, I reckon the Bombers have to be a chance. Actually, just off the text as well, Chook from Pakenham, do you think Tom Lynch walks straight back in? If CCJ, CCJ, Callum Coleman-Jones, were to overtake him in the Coleman medal race in only three to four weeks of footy, we'll see what happens with Callum Coleman-Jones. But he was good, wasn't he? Four goals, a couple of really nice marks. Bit of a slow start, only his second game. But, geez, he got ahead of steam up late on, didn't he? I think they go to Tom Lynch, to be honest with you, Chug. I think Tom Lynch definitely comes back. Jack Rewald obviously plays. And then they've probably got a bit of a decision to make with Callum Coleman-Jones in the sense of not a decision, but 
will there be an effort required to keep him given the uh, the interest that will surely come later in the year if he continues to be overlooked given he's out of contract? So can play the game Callum Coleman-Jones, we think, only two games in. A lot of injuries, discipline issue last year, but that'll be an interesting little story as the season plays out. Hey, tradies, don't miss the instant asset write-off as well. Essendon Renault traffic sales event is now on. I'll tell you what else is now on. That is the Coach's Corner. And I left it at that. Now you want to continue with it. Next question. Next question. Thanks, Tony. Oh, come on. Oh, come on, mate. You're quite brilliant, Shane. Yeah, terrific. Keith, you done a tipping old bloody thing. Get run, Will! Get off, quick! Rock it, rock it, rock it. We can't think. I don't mind that little uh, prelude, that little stinger for the coach's corner. Hopefully we get a few more of them as the season goes on. Let's start with the Bombers. We were talking about them just recently. Here's what Ben Rutten had to say on what they're trying to build at Essendon after that fantastic win over West Coast. You know, we focus most of our attention on what we need to do. Um, we're just you know, really keen to build a, um, a really consistent um, brand of footy that, that's gonna, you know, that we can depend upon. You know, week in, week out, doesn't guarantee us results, but we want to show up and uh, turn up and play in a way that, you know, is pretty reliable um, to to themselves, but also our, you know, our supporters and our fans, which, you know, they're really keen to keen to do that. Uh, I think the carrots just them, you know, getting more and more evidence and building more examples of them being able to, you know, play their best footy in different environments, different occasions, under different du- duress. You know, this week, as I said, there's been a fair bit of um, interruptions to our preparation. You know, Aaron Francis pulled out late. Um, Peter Wright, who was just starting to find some really consistent form for us, um, we had to make some late changes. And I think they're just enjoying <clears throat> trying to embed that that um, consistency in our game. That was Ben Rutten. Yeah, it was. Peter Wright had that calf issue late. He was a late withdrawal. Harry Jones came in. I think they wanted to give him a little rest, Harrison Jones, but he acquitted himself very well. Off the text, the disrespect disrespect on Trent Rivers coming through is ridiculous. Has been a rock all year and at 19 years of age, kicked a ripper against Adelaide too. Will play 200-plus games. I reckon Rivers deserves to be in the top two or three lines of betting for the Rising Star as well. Has been so consistent all year. That one is from Liam. Good on you, Liam. Um, off the text as well. It's a bit early in the year to be picking rising stars on consistency, isn't it? You pick the best performances of the week at this stage of the year. If he still doesn't have a nomination later in the year, then he will get in for consistency. Nathan Buckley. Gee whiz, this was a game only a mother could love, to be honest. It was horrifically ugly, Collingwood and Geelong. Thankfully, no one was there to watch it live. Uh, those that were, I have sympathy for. I persisted with this one for far longer than I should have. Just Collingwood's refusal to go forward and take the option through the corridor could not be ignored. And yet, this is their coach, Nathan Buckley, thinking the players are positive over where the club is at. Oh, frustration is a word the boys mentioned, but but positive was as well. Um, you know, we want to win games of football, but I think the overarching feeling in the sheds is that we are playing uh, a brand that we are more confident in and, and more... Um, positive about than, you know, potentially a month ago or two months ago. Um, and that's, and whilst that's not getting us um, wins at the moment, and I, I think the players, as you can see, their energy and their enthusiasm remained for the entirety of the match. Um, 
despite any conditions or despite the scoreboard, despite the opposition. Um, so I think, um, yeah, that was a that was a positive. We're, we're still defending really well. We're hard to score off from stoppage. Um, we're actually moving the ball through the back half a lot better. Um, and, yeah, it's just that final piece for us. Collingwood coach Nathan Buckley there after that game that, uh, gee whiz, it was ugly. But he can point to the results. They run Geelong to 10 points. They lose by a point to Port Adelaide. So last couple of weeks, very, very competitive. I wanted to bring Brett Ratton's comments uh, to you on Brad Hill. Brad Hill held to just six touches in that win over lowly North Melbourne. He had just three kicks. He got a hard tag from uh, Bailey Scott. And this was Brett Ratton on his uh, superstar being tagged out of the game. He tried to assist others. Um, yeah, he got sat on. Um, Scott didn't even want to try and touch the ball, um, you know, really, and just made it a, a, a sole focus. Didn't want to touch the ball. But as has been pointed out, Bailey Scott had 14 possessions. He's had more than double the possessions of Brad Hill. So Brad Hill's had six. He must have had at least one eye on the pill because he's gathered 14 possessions. Seven kicks, seven handballs, four marks. I understand coach wants to go into bat for his players, of course, and he has defended Brad Hill uh, to the hilt as Brett Ratton. But, geez, he's just got to be better, Brad Hill, and they would know that internally. I wouldn't mind playing this one for you. Chris Fagan going to be one of the games of the season coming up. The Brisbane Lions, I think they've won seven in a row. They're batting down the hatches for the top of the table, Melbourne. What a matchup we've got. This is uh, Chris Fagan talking about the matchup on Friday night. We think it will be against the Demons. We've been up for a few weeks and played some really strong team football. I mean, I thought today, again, was a, was a very even effort. We had 13 goal kickers. You know, that's that's pretty exciting to to have that number. So we're, we're in great shape to be able to play a team like Melbourne, who are obviously the benchmark of the competition. So we'll, we'll look forward to that opportunity. I think our cohesion and synergy as a team has uh, improved quite a bit over the last seven weeks. I, I couldn't give you a percentage, but I... I know we are a better team. That's Chris Fagan there talking about Melbourne, who must be one of the most feared teams in the competition at the moment, not for uh, intimidation reasons, but just their defence, the way they set up behind the ball, like we were talking about earlier. They're intercept players. They're so disciplined, so well organised. They communicate so well, and they completely strangled the life out of the highest-scoring team in the competition on Friday, the Western Bulldogs. If you watch that game, you could not believe some of the mistakes that the Dogs were committing in their back half. Just uh, It was so out of character, but they were pressured into making them, and it was a real um, example of, of preparation and execution from Melbourne defensively. This was Luke Beveridge. His Western Bulldogs were shell-shocked in this game, and this is how he assessed uh, Melbourne's fierce defence in that loss. We kicked the ball straight to him a number of times in that first part of the first quarter. So we started uh, on the back foot and we didn't really recover. We were expecting at some point to get a run on a little bit. And But, you know, credit to Melbourne. they um, I think you know, most of the year we've been able to outwork sides and see it through. And, uh, and tonight they, uh, they had most of the bases covered and we couldn't force anything. And... Um, you know, it was only a 28-point loss. Felt like a lot more in the end. Luke Beveridge there. What's the saying? You don't lose, you learn. Well, I reckon they're going to do both out of that one. They lost big time, but they might learn big time as well. They'll go away and do their homework on that for sure. Hey, the Essendon Renault Traffic Sales event is now on. The break is upon us. On the other side of this, I want to know what is grinding your gears from the weekend. What has bugged you from the weekend that you need to get it off your chest? 
Call us now. We'll hear you out. one 736 736 or 433 98 11 16 on the temper text. I've got one. It starts with play and it ends with on. Play on. Gee whiz, how quickly does that call come now? Yes, welcome back to Time On. Just before we get to what grinds your gears, give us a call now on that, by the way, one 736 736 Footy or anything in sport over the weekend that's been bugging you, this is your chance to vent before we close out the show and hand, hand over to Sammy Hargroves. You can text us on the temper, 0433981116. I think a few of you were getting in touch with me on social media regards the MRO. will finally... The match review decisions have been made to conclude round 11 and there'll be no tribunal sitting this week because there's been no match sanction. So at a Sydney and Carlton yesterday, Callum Mills charged with striking Liam Stocker, $1,500 sanction with an early plea. Sam Wicks charged misconduct against Jacob Wiedering, $1,000 early plea. Charlie Dixon, Port Adelaide, striking Nathan Wilson uh, during the last quarter of that match against Fremantle, $2,000 sanction, early plea. Now, a few of you were wondering what was going to happen with Lance Franklin. Of course, that front-on contact with uh, Nick Newman, the Carlton defender. The statements come through from the AFL saying that Lance Franklin has no case to answer, either via a suspension, as some of you quite strongly suggested, or even financially Uh, The match review officer, Michael Christian, has said the ball is kicked towards the Sydney forward line. Newman attempts to take possession of the ball at half forward. As Newman turns front on to gain possession of the loose ball, Franklin approaches and contact is made, including high contact. But it was the view of the MRO that there was insufficient force to constitute a reportable offence, so no further action was taken. There you go. Nothing to answer for Lance Franklin. Now, though... It's time for this. What's grinding your gears? You know what really grinds my gears? No! God, please, no! No! I just think somebody owes us an explanation, that's all. Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Yes, it is. What grinds your gears? 0433981116 if you want to fire through a text as this person did. Jake. What grinds my gears? Being packed into one part of the ground at Giants Stadium on Sunday. Stay one and a half metres away, signs everywhere. Then they jam us in. Crazy. Why? Can't answer that, Jake, but I have seen that on the TV from across the country. You see one bay completely empty and another bay packed. Can't give you an answer to that one. Something that's been grinding my gears is the – we've mentioned this before – the play-on call – is absurdly quick at times in games this year. I reckon there was one with Max Gormer who's running in to take a set shot and he was called to play on. If you start your approach within the time limit, why are you being called to play on if you don't deviate off the mark? That happened so many times over the weekend, the play on call, for no reason I could figure out. I know a few people have picked up on this uh, across the place, but, gee, that's been bugging me how quickly they call play on. And you're watching at home on the TV, it does come through come through the uh, effects mics. But the big one I wanted to raise, and an important one, the big freeze for Freeze MND at the MCG was obviously scheduled for Monday week, June 14. Of course, Queen's birthday Monday. And again, while no confirmation has been put forth, you'd have to say it's all but certain to have been derailed by COVID. Bloody COVID. Again, too. 
So obviously we had the recorded edition last year, organisers there at Fight MND doing the best they could to get the stars of the show to go down their slides. And they, they did give the clubs uh, free reign to choose whatever theme or whatever slide they wanted. But, geez, it would have been great to have them back at the MCG. And with those sliders now, I mean, they can't fly them interstate easily. So I'm not sure what's going to happen here with uh, with the, the big freeze, which is such a magnificent part of the season, a great spectacle at the MCG on a cold, wintry Monday and a bit of fun too. So, listen, grab a beanie. Support the cause for motor neurone disease if you can because game day when it is on, Melbourne and Collingwood, Queen's birthday Monday, that weekend outside the MCG is where those beanies sell like hot chips. So get yourself to the Fight MND website. You can find it at fightmnd.org.au. Coles sell them, Bunnings sell them. Get yourself a beanie and contribute to the cause to end motor neurone disease. Thanks for listening to Time On. Sam Edmund with you again this evening. Great to spend the last hour with you. Don't go anywhere, though. Sammy Hargraves is up next, and we'll see you next Monday at 6. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.